Uh, We're in the middle of a three-week series this morning uh, called Jesus Changes Everything. Uh, It's an opportunity for us to see kind of the centrality of Jesus within uh, our mission, our life as a church. We we exist to help people know Jesus, to grow more like Jesus, uh, and to go serve Jesus because we believe that Jesus makes a difference. Jesus changes us. He changes the world around us, in and through us. And so last week, uh, we talked about knowing Jesus, not just knowing about Jesus, not just having a few facts or a few things that we know about his life and his story, but, but knowing him intimately, relationally, personally, knowing him as our, our Savior, our Lord, as our friend, and how that makes a difference in our lives. Uh, and that's the, the first part of our mission as a church, is to help people know Jesus. Knowing Jesus changes us, it shapes us, it causes us to see the world around us differently. But we don't just end with knowing Jesus. While knowing Jesus changes us, there's this tendency that we have as humans to kind of revert back to, to old ways. Um, if, if we're stagnant as people, if we're not uh, moving forward, then we have a tendency to kind of fall back. Our, our default uh, is decay. Uh, I, I kind of saw this this past week. My oldest child was uh, doing some math work. And I was always good at math growing up. When I was in elementary school, they had these math competitions. I won three out of four of them, right? I mean, I was, I was good at math. I felt really good about my ability to do it. Uh, and so he was doing some of this, uh, some schoolwork. And so I said, oh, I'll, I'll help him out. I'll offer some good, you know, dad help for his, uh, for his work. And uh, I saw this problem. And so I suggested, it's like, well, maybe if you do this, this, and this, like that would, that would help you solve the problem. Fortunately, he didn't laugh at me. Uh, he just kind of calmly said, he's like, well, on this one, what you actually do is this, this, and this. I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, walked away. Uh, I figured he had it under control. He didn't really need my help. Now, it doesn't mean that I was never good at math in the past. It just means that over the past 25 years, I haven't done anything with it. And so my math skills have kind of decayed a little bit. They've, uh, they've kind of fallen to the side. That's like they say, uh, you know, you never forget how to ride a bike, but if you don't ride one for about 15 years and you hop on it, you're going to be a little bit rusty, we'll say. Uh, the same is true in our relationship with Jesus. All right, we might have that time when we experience a change in our lives because we've, we've come to know Jesus. But if we don't press into that relationship with him, if we don't seek growth in our relationship with Jesus, if we're not growing to be more like him, we might find ourselves growing stagnant. We might experience some spiritual decay. There was a, a term that was used in the church uh, when I was growing up as a child. They called it backsliding. Um, I don't think it's a, a kind of popular Methodist word these days. Um, but, but Wesley would talk about it. Uh, it talk about backsliding or kind of falling away. Essentially, it meant that at one point in, uh, in time, you were living a transformed life with Jesus. But because uh, of whatever reason, you stopped pursuing Jesus. You began to kind of move away from him, uh, and it became apparent within your life. Your life would begin to reflect that. You're falling away from Jesus. So, you know, it's, it's, it's good to know Jesus. Knowing Jesus will change your life. It changes the trajectory of your life. But, 
But then we need to take that next step in our walk with him. We need to grow in our connection with him. We need to grow in the ways in which his life and his light uh, shine in us and shine through us. And so that's going to be what we're talking about a little bit this morning. Uh, Our scripture passage comes from Romans chapter 12. Uh, verses 1 through 8, uh, but we're primarily going to focus on, on the first two vo- verses. And so I invite you to open up your Bibles with me there to Romans uh, chapter 12. And we'll begin here in verse 1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, uh, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, not all the members have the same functions, So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Uh, This is the word of God for us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Now, throughout uh, the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, Paul has been talking uh, about the importance of faith. He's been talking about the importance of knowing Jesus, right? Knowing Jesus, uh, believing that he was raised from the dead, confessing with your mouth that he is Lord. He mentions that these are uh, keys at the heart of salvation. They are, they are keys to our redemption. He's made it clear in the first 11 chapters that it's God's grace towards us. When we haven't done anything to earn it or deserve it, that makes it possible for us to have this salvation. In Romans 5, he mentions that when we were still enemies of God, that Christ came to us, that he gave his life for us um, so that we might know God's love, so we might have that salvation. He's, He's kind of walked through the importance of knowing Jesus. But when he gets here to chapter 12, he kind of shifts gears a little bit. And he begins to focus on that next step. But he says, in view of what God has done for us, in light of God's mercies, in response to Jesus' defeat of sin and death, let's offer God every bit and piece and part of our life. Let's lay all of it down at his feet and let him transform us. Let him mold us and make us into something new. He's kind of saying, he's like, you know what, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, don't just stop there. Take the next step. Let him transform you. This uh, word for transformation uh, in the original Greek, the New Testament was written in, is the word metamorpho, which is uh, kind of the word that becomes our metamorphosis that we understand today. Like when we think about uh, the, the process of a caterpillar, uh, metamorphosizing, I guess is that the, maybe that's the way to conjugate it. A, a butterfly's journey, I mean, a, a caterpillar's journey into a butterfly. It's this process of metamorphosis, this process of, of transformation. That's kind of what Paul is thinking and what he has in mind. You know, a caterpillar is it's kind of this ugly, slimy creature a little bit. I don't like them. They, they eat 
plants in my garden. They look kind of gross. Nobody really likes them. I don't know. Maybe you like them. I don't. Um, but they go through this process where they, they transform into something beautiful, a, a butterfly. It's a, a new creation. I mean, I remember uh, whenever uh, we lived in North Carolina, we would go to a children's museum there, and they had a butterfly garden, right? And everybody loved to go into the butterfly garden, and they would fly around, they would flutter, uh, they would come and they would land on your hand if you held it out, uh, and you could spend an hour in there just watching all the different kinds of butterflies. I've never heard of anybody paying to go to a caterpillar garden before, right? I mean, it, it doesn't happen. We don't, we don't really care for them. And I'm not saying that that you all are are slimy or ugly, um, but but when we first come to know Jesus, we're kind of like the caterpillar. We need to undergo this this process of transformation. Maybe we need to hop in a cocoon with Jesus for a little while, let him do some work so that we come out on the other side looking like something different, looking uh, like something that's that's beautiful. Maybe our, our, our butterfly kind of life. We need a transformation to take place within our lives. That's what Paul is kind of emphasizing here, right? You need something beyond what you can do yourself. Uh, elsewhere in the New Testament, this word is really only used uh, like one other time. And that's when Jesus is going up uh, onto a mountain on the, the Mount of Transfiguration. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 2, it says of Jesus, it says that he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, his garments became white as light. And what it's talking about is, is Jesus was on the mountaintop with a few of his disciples around him that his appearance was changed in a way that was obvious to all the people around him. That what they saw was something different. And it, and it kind of recalls an Old Testament story where a guy by the name of Moses goes up on top of a mountain to meet with God. And he goes up on the mountain and he spends 40 days just him alone with God. And when he comes down from the mountain, uh, it says that his face glowed. Like it irradiated his, his being in God's presence, changed him in a way that was visible, the, the way that the people could see that something had taken place. There was something different about him. And so as Paul is telling us that we're to be transformed, this is, this is part of what he has in mind, right? There's, there's a way in which when people look at us, they're not necessarily even seeing, you know, you and me anymore, but they're seeing Jesus uh, so deep down within us that he's just radiating, shining out from out of us. Being transformed isn't only just to become like morally good people, though that's a good thing. It's for us to take on the very nature of Christ, for his light and his life to be our life. That in our day-to-day, we are transformed so we glow with the grace and the mercy of Jesus. To be transformed isn't only about not conforming to the world. It's not primarily an avoidance of what we might consider worldly behaviors. I mean, that's included in it, but you know, but you can avoid all kinds of worldly behaviors and not be transformed. Transformation isn't just about switching a to-do list so that it's, uh, you know, the to-do list of the world to the to-do list of God's law. It's, it's being transformed so that the fruit of the Spirit, you know, the, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, just well up within us and out of us. That it becomes something that's natural. I'm not thinking about in the moment, oh, like, I need to be patient here. Calm down. You know, be patient. It's just who I am. 
because I've allowed God's love, his grace, his mercy to transform me, to change me from the inside out. You know, there's a, an entrepreneur, uh, motivational speaker, author, Jim Rohn. He, he once said, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Right, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. What he's saying in this is that, that our lives are heavily influenced by our relationships. Now, our connections with people influence the way that we think, the way that we approach life, what we aspire to, our self-esteem, uh, the decisions that we make. Uh, it's all a part of who we surround ourselves with, who we are spending time with. We're going to become like those people. Uh, researchers have found that it even goes deeper than that, deeper than the, the five people that you spend the most time with. There was one particular study where it was looking at the effect of our relationships on our health. And, and they found that if you have a friend uh, who becomes overweight, that you yourself are 45% more likely to gain weight over the next two to four years. It's pretty incredible. And then they found even beyond that, uh, that if a friend of your friend becomes overweight, your likelihood of gaining weight increases by about 20%, right? Even if you don't know that friend of a friend. And so for me, that just tells me that it's, it's really not like the ice cream and the cookies and brownies that I like. It's, it's my friend's friend. Like that's, that's why I gain weight. <clears throat> But, but they found like this across all the different other, uh, other health categories as well uh, in relation to, to smoking and heart health that things that take place in the lives of our friends affect us even when it comes to happiness. You know, if you surround yourself with people that choose joy and choose to be happy, then you're more likely to be happy. If a friend of your friend uh, is a happier person, then you yourself are more likely to be happy. Uh, the point is that our transformation is attached to our relationships, attached to who we spend time with, right? That our, our lives are not static. Right? The only thing that's constant in this world is change, and we as people tend to be uh, changing. Whether we, whether we think we are or not, over time, we are always changing. We are always in a process of becoming. So if we're always becoming something or someone... And are we becoming more like Jesus or are we becoming more like someone else? Like each day, each month, each year, are you becoming more like Jesus or are you becoming more like someone else? The biggest determining factor is who we're spending time with. Right? And so if I'm wanting to grow more like Jesus, if I see that need for transformation, if I'm taking that step, if I've come to know Jesus... I don't want to stagnate and become something else. I want to become more like Jesus than what even this social science research would suggest is that I need to spend more time with him. Right, the, the key to our not being conformed to the world, but being transformed, is to spend time with Jesus. If you spend more time with Don Lemon or Tucker Carlson than Jesus, you're going to become more like them then you will Jesus. But if you spend more time with Jesus, you'll become more like him. So as we're reflecting on this growing more like Jesus, this being transformed by God's grace within our lives, God, I just want to invite you to take the time to spend with Jesus. 
And it, and it sounds simple. It's probably something that if you've grown up in the church, you've heard before. But, but take time to spend with Jesus. Take the time to read your Bible daily. And take time to read Jesus. You know, start in, start in Matthew, right? It's the first book in the New Testament. Read a chapter each day. Look at what Jesus is doing. Listen for his voice. Listen to what he's saying to you. Read with this intention of being close to Jesus. So imagine yourself walking with him as he's walking through the streets of Galilee, that you're present, that you're a part of the crowd, or you're one of his disciples, that you're there, but that Jesus is with you and you're with him. Read a chapter each day, maybe even write down some insights that you're finding. And then after you finish Matthew, Read Mark. You just flip the page and you go to Mark and you read more of Jesus. Another, another picture, another portrait of who Jesus was and of his life. And then read Luke and then read John. But read Jesus. Spend time knowing him intimately, walking with him as a friend. And spend time praying about it. Pray about what you read. Pray before you read. Pray after you read. Uh, spend time with Jesus, talking to him, letting him know what's going on in your life. And then take a time listening to his voice. Uh, take the time in your prayer to, to mention the places in your life that, you know what, God, this is a part of my life that, uh, that, that I'm really hurting in. And so, Jesus, you know, I need you to, to provide some healing for this, this hurt. You know, there's this piece of my life, God, this piece of my past that I can't let go of. Continue to just put it there in, in his hands. Say, Jesus, I need you to take this because it's more than I can take. Uh, maybe there's a particular person that continues to bug you or bother you. Jesus, I need you to, to handle that person, to take care of that because it's, it's more than what I got. I need you to come alongside of me, help me to have the kind of grace and patience that I need with this person. If there's something that you're trying to shake that you can't let go of, you know, put it there. Jesus, shape and change my desires. Change what's going on inside of me so that I don't want that anymore, that I just want you. But to take that time and to spend with him the way you spend with somebody that you love. Spend, spend time listening. Listen for his voice. Give him a moment to speak. Maybe you'll hear something, maybe not, but if you don't take the time to listen, probably won't hear him. Then spend some time with other Christians. Take time to, to read and pray with other people. Uh, take time to serve alongside of other people who are seeking to be more like Jesus. Join a Sunday school group, a Bible study, a small group, something so that you're intentionally spending time with Jesus and with others. And over time, as you spend this time with Jesus, as you begin to recognize and grow in the recognition of the love that he has for you, you find yourself being transformed, not because you're like working so hard at doing something differently, but because Jesus's life is rubbing off on your own as you're spending time in connection with him. It might not be an immediate transformation. There might not be this, this overnight where all of a sudden it's like a switch has clicked and, and you're a completely different person. Uh, I mean, the caterpillar has a process to undergo before it becomes a butterfly. But if we spend time with Jesus, that's what does that transforming work within us. You know, and I, I'm going to... I'm going to take it a step further because, you know, part of our mission is not just our growing more like Christ, but in our growing more like Jesus, it's also a part of helping other people to know Jesus. And so parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, if you want your children and your grandchildren, your nieces and your nephews to know Jesus, if you want them to have a chance to know Jesus, they need to see the value of Jesus in your life. 
If you want to give them a chance to know Jesus, because there's, there's a, if, if who we are becoming is who we spend the most time with, I mean, I don't know, my, my kids spend a lot of time with Mr. Beast and Dude Perfect, right? These YouTube people, I have no clue what they're doing. But they spend a lot of time with these other people who are having influence over their lives. If I want them to have a chance to know Jesus, they've got to see it in me, and we've got to spend time together with Jesus. It'll be one of those five people they spend the most time with. And use it wisely. When you have that opportunity to be with them, be with them and with Jesus. You know, one of the greatest gifts that I think my parents and my grandmother gave me when I was a child was that we spent time together with Jesus. Uh, when I was a, a child growing up, we'd do devotions at night. Uh, and, and I don't remember a single one of the devotions that we read or, or anything about it, but I know that it was planting seeds in my heart. It was helping me to, to know Jesus. Whenever I would visit my grandmother, whenever, um, whenever I would stay at her house, and every night before bed, we were going to read the Bible and we were going to pray together. It's, it's what we did. In the morning when we woke up, we were going to read the Bible and we were going to pray. She was going to watch whatever her morning you know, Bible show was that she always watched. And I could have the TV after that, but we had our priorities straight in my grandmother's house. And it was planting the seeds in my life. And, I, and then I saw in her life something that was different. I saw this you know, growth in Christ. I, I saw this grace and peace of Christ. I saw a love of God in her. I mean, understand and believe that Jesus is real. So take time to spend with your children, with your grandchildren, with your nieces, with your nephews, with your great-grandchildren, with your neighbor or whoever else. Spend time with them and spend time with Jesus. And then let them see that there's a transformation that's taking place within you, that you're becoming more like Jesus. doesn't mean that you have to be perfect, but they should see some kind of ongoing transformation within you. That lets them know that there's something real about this person, Jesus, and the new life that he offers to you. That that your life is going to be the greatest witness to the effect that Jesus can have on their life. Let them see him in you. Spend time together with them. Now, Jesus changes everything, but he doesn't force change upon us. He doesn't make us change. He invites us. He invites us into a relationship with him where we can regularly experience his transforming grace and his love. Or a relationship with him that enables us to take hold of his hope and of his peace as we allow his life to become our life. And so I'd invite you to to take that step today, tomorrow, this week, in the coming weeks and months ahead to draw closer in your connection with Christ. If we see a world around us that's desperately in need of change, that's desperately in need of hope, that's desperately in need of peace, let Christ do that work within us. The world around us, the people around us might be able to experience and know that change. May we see Jesus make a difference not only in our lives, but in the community around us. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you have made known to us your love through the giving of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that it's through his life, death, and resurrection that you have offered new life to us. Lord, I pray that we might feel that sense of uh, conviction on a day-to-day basis, that we might hear your voice calling and saying, come and spend time with me. We might answer and we might say yes. I pray that that time that we spend with you might truly be 
a transformational time for us that we might uh, grow more and more into the image of Christ, into his likeness, that his life might become ours. We pray that as we grow more like Jesus, we might see the people around us being changed and transformed through an encounter with him as well. We pray, Lord, for a different world, for uh, a world that's more and more like your kingdom. We pray that we might see that amongst us in our midst and that might become the reality in the community around us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.